Here we are, Locked On NFL, alongside the scout Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock. We are taking you around the league daily here on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network. As we do on Mondays, it is our Sunday afternoon NFL recap show, breaking down all of the action from Sunday afternoon. Matt, I think here, game of the week, coming into this thing was Ravens, Texans, and wow, Ravens made a statement against a pretty good football team in the Houston Texans. 41-7, Baltimore wins this one over Houston. Uh, Four touchdown passes from Lamar Jackson. We definitely have to start there. That was clearly the game of the week coming in, but I just want to make a quick note. I mean, we still, just to pull back the curtain, we have not seen the Sunday night game yet. We're recording this, and boy, it was a rough betting and fantasy day for me and my hunch is I wasn't alone it was an odd day for me at least and what I expected and around the league and man I did not expect this I mean it it wouldn't blow me away if I said you know you told me the Ravens would score 41 but to win 41 to 7 and really there was never a doubt I mean it was boom over forget about it and yes, Lamar's great, and Andrews and Lamar's MVP stock is soaring. But this defense now is really makes them a contender. I mean, it starts with the secondary. They have more good corners than they know what to do with. And Earl Thomas is help, or is you know is comfortable in his new surroundings. And the front seven's just blitz and getting better, and shouldn't shock us. I mean, it's a great organization, a great coaching staff. Watson had little chance to succeed. No, the pass rush was great. Yeah. Maybe we've slept on how good Marcus Peters is, or maybe he just sort of had an extra fire lit under him in that trade from L.A. to Baltimore. Matt Judon, two sacks. Tyus Bowser, two sacks. A number of quarterback hits and pressures. And, and I mean, that defensive line played really good. The entire defense for Baltimore is as much of the story as Lamar Jackson was, who had over 300 combined yards in those four touchdown passes. And on the other side... Deshaun Watson, his worst output, I think, of the year, right? It has to be 169 yards passing. He had the interception. He had a fumble early in the game trying to do too much. And the the Texans just look completely outmatched. And the Ravens, whoo, they, uh, they are definitely hitting their stride right now in the second half of the season. They are. I mean, are they the best team in the league? They might be. I think it might be time to check in on a Matt Williamson power ranking maybe soon. Yeah, maybe we should do that this week. Or uh, yeah, I, think I maybe we should. Uh, there's a little bit more to be done, but they beat the Pats. You know, the Niners and the Patriots are showing some warts. Not that they're still got great teams, but man, I'm not sure who I'd put over the Ravens right now. Niners Ravens in a couple of weeks, by the way, too. Ooh, nice. There are some other very good games here that we should talk about. Let's talk about Pats Eagles here and the Eagles. Multiple times at the end of that game, trying to come back, trying to get in the end zone one last time to tie that up. It was 17-10, Pats over Philly. Yeah, good game. Um, I felt like the Eagles' D is back, You know, led by Fletcher Cox. I think it's a good unit. Brady and this offense are still figuring things out. I feel like the Eagles are like one guy short on offense still, but they're also coming around. But in the end, I mean, it was like the opposite feel of a couple years, two years ago when these guys met in the Super Bowl. I think these are two good defenses. And I think the Eagles didn't get the win, 
but are turning the corner to some degree. But unfortunately for them, Dallas law or Dallas won. So it's going to be tough sledding to get in the postseason. And I think the Eagles are a pretty good team. That Eagles passing game, and it's hard to tell sometimes because Wentz hasn't looked like himself and maybe has taken a step back in his development somehow and mechanics aren't as, as clean as I remember they they were when he first went to Philly and started to really um, become the guy that, that we thought he was going to be. And then the wide receiver group is just awful in Philly right now. Yeah, I mean, they're... They're slow, and Ertz and Goddard are very, very impressive. The more I watch Miles Sanders, I think he might be a star as well, yeah. but he's you know, a work in progress still. But they really miss Deshaun Jackson. You know, I mean, it's amazing that somebody who's not an elite player, he's not Tyreek Hill, I mean, he's a good player, but that aspect of their, of their offense, of how they're structured, is really missing. One more big game that uh, I think we should highlight here in the first segment was a huge comeback win for the Minnesota Vikings. They improved to eight and three on the season. Uh, the Broncos fall to three and seven. Twenty-seven second half points. It was twenty to nothing Broncos going into halftime of that game. It's amazing. I mean, uh, the stats at halftime are just ridiculous for, for Minnesota, and and I have a couple of them right here. They had thirty-three passing yards. 14 rushing yards, possessed the ball for just under 11 minutes, and lost two fumbles in the first half. Come back to win 27-23. <laughs> and I wrote a little blurb about this one. I do that for every North team. You know, just give me one thing that stood out to you. And this one was the hardest one for me because it was just the total tale of two halves. It was just better execution. I think it was more about the Vikings and Denver, and that's probably selling Denver a little bit short. But what I took away from it and what I finally ended up writing up was I thought Kirk Cousins played, he's known as a hot and cold player. And you would think, oh, Cousins was cold in the first half, got hot in the second half. And what I wrote was he played really well in the in the first half and was red hot in the second half. And the people around him just kind of let him down early, you know, fumbles and miscommunication, you know, just some errors. Defense didn't look great. The, the Vikings' corners really look like a problem, especially early in this game. But what I took away from it was I used to say, you probably remember, I mean, that, boy, the Vikings go as Dalvin Cook goes. And in this game, they were able to come back, and they never would have done that in the week four. You know, like Cousins played well throughout, like I said, and they were able to kind of play left-handed after – and Cook did very little. He had 26 yards rushing in this game, and they still were able to come back. When you get Thielen back, these guys could be real contenders to me. To win a game that way, I think, was telling is what I'm getting at. Right, yeah, and Stephon Diggs able to step up in some of these games that Thielen's been out. The last couple of weeks, not amazing output, but 120 yards and a score here. He had 167, 143, and 143 in back-to-back-to-back games in October as well. So big time weapon in digs. You add Thielen to that. Uh, it's still a very good football team and they're ab- absolutely going to be it in it at the end. Uh, how far can they go behind Kirk cousins? That'll be uh that'll be fun to watch in the North and they've got a rough team to, uh, to face there in the green Bay Packers who are also playing very well. Yeah. But they're sitting there at eight and three. I mean, if, if we are going to do a power ranks this week, I think we should, 
they're gonna be pretty high. I mean, they're playing pretty well. Yeah, let's do it. Let, let's cement that for sure and do a power rank one of the days this week. Maybe like Wednesday. Okay, I'll start fiddling Ish. with it as I'm watching. Yeah, these two night games. Whenever we, we have that ready and, and you feel good about it, we will release that to the world. I like it. I okay. like it. We've got more games to get to. Let's hit those on the other side. Dudes, listen up. Let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember those days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. I've told you about them many times. If you haven't tried it, you're out of your mind. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Guys, I never understood the pill thing. I mean, hey, you're going to make an appointment for an hour from now? I mean, Blue Chew works so much better. Blue Chew is prescribed online, ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, zero awkwardness. Made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships direct. They're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, they have a fantastic deal for all of you listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment totally free when you use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL. All you're paying is $5 shipping, and you're getting way more than $5 worth of product. And the promo code is LOCKEDON. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them a great deal for sponsoring the podcast. The Cincinnati Bengals were happy to oblige the Oakland Raiders run toward the playoffs right now. Raiders 17-10. to It was a winnable game there for the Bengals within one score in the end. Uh, but the Raiders hold on. They improve to 6-4. and four. Bengals fall to 0-10 and keep a one-game lead in the race for the number one overall pick in the draft. Here's my short take on this one, and I need to study it more to be very honest with you. I think you can kind of look at it two ways. Is this the Raiders playing like we thought they would be, you know, a bottom-feeding team against the worst team in the league. You know, is that who the Raiders really are, a pretty darn bad team? Or are there some things to kind of put your hat on that the Bengals are at least improving? And I think it's more the latter watching this. You know, like Mixon looked good to me. Finley didn't look like he was in over his head. The defense made a couple plays. And maybe I'm too optimistic about the Bengals, not that I'm super optimistic, and nor do I trust ownership, but I, I kind of looked at that team today thinking, what if they had Jonah Williams and A.J. Green? You know, like, is, do they win this game 21-17 as opposed to losing a 17-10? You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe it was one of those games where Andy Dalton, the quarterback, could have given him a, a shot to win the game, and maybe that's why he's not in the game at this point, because the Bengals don't really need that. And uh, not that Andy Dalton has proven to be uh, the comeback kid or, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks in the league, but they're they're playing the young guy there and they're not trying to win games here, but it's a team that isn't so bad that if you added their first round draft pick at offensive tackle and you added an all pro type wide receiver that they couldn't have, you know, thrown together some wins this season. We'll see if they are able to win a game, but right now, 0-10 are the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, and they deserve it, but they're not the worst thing I've ever seen. They're not as bad as Miami was to start the season. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> uh, Miami Dolphins, let's talk about those Dolphins. Right. They fell to the Buffalo Bills. Dolphins now 2-8, and eight, so they're a couple of games back there for the number one pick, although they did leapfrog the Jets who won today. And the Buffalo Bills 
winning that one. 37 to 20. Bills are now seven and three in a very good spot for those AFC playoffs still. Yeah, kind of like I just mentioned with Raiders, Bengals, some of these really bad teams, it's hard to judge the other team. Did they just wipe, you know, win because the team they played so bad? And my take watching this one was Miami hung around, and this game was interesting for the most part. I mean, they didn't go away easy, but I thought Buffalo was quite good, and this was the good version of Josh Allen, which, you know, sometimes doesn't always show up. But that, oh, right. um, that was, he played a very good game. And of course, people say, but it was just Miami. But Miami's been playing better, and I think this was a more of an impressive win by the Bills than, boy, the Miami stinks. That Josh Allen to John Brown connection was strong in this one. Nine catches for 137 yards and a pair of touchdowns, a long of 40. And Devin Singletary, he's slowly taking over the reins there at running back for the Bills. 15 carries here for 75 yards. Did not get into the end zone, but uh, five yards per carry. Yeah, and another rookie I want to mention too is Dawson Knox I like a lot. Um, I think he could be their long-term tight end. He caught a touchdown in this one. Mm-hmm. I like Singletary. Well, it's not going to sound like I like Singletary. I mean, he's. I think he has amazing vision and run instincts and things like that you can't put a finger on. But the things you can put a finger on, he's short and slow. You know, like very few <laughs> right. unimpressive un- un- physical specimens that don't run real well have success in this league. But every time he's out there, he produces. You can put your finger on the top of his head too easily, is what you're trying to say. Yes, and I can catch him in a race, maybe. <laughs> not, not really. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. I like those low-to-the-ground running backs, though. But the thing is with, uh, let's say you're playing in a dynasty league, and you're like, okay, now Devin Singletary is becoming the number one. Well, they might draft a running back next year that be, that goes over the top of Devin Singletary. So it's not like you expect him to be a long-term number one for the Bills. But he's a nice player, and, and I do like Devin Singletary. Yeah, and it's funny because that's what how I've often answered that question for dynasty situations is, yeah, he's in a good situation. Uh, they run the ball a lot. He's going to phase out Frank Gore, and then they're going to draft Swift or somebody. You know, right. th- they're, they're, they're feature backs in college right now. The feature back for the Cowboys is currently in Dallas. So actually, they're in Detroit this weekend. And Dak Prescott going off for 444 yards passing, three touchdowns as the Cowboys beat the Lions 35-27. Dallas is good. I mean, I worried that they were going to have one of those Jets-like letdowns on the road, you know, against a you know a well-coached team. And but Dak is. Nobody talks about Dak in the MVP conversation, but I'm not sure, sure Lamar is having a better season than Dak. I mean, when it all said and done and how important they are to their team, I'm not saying one or the other, but that's a great offense. They don't have to lean on Elliott, but they can. The Lions are in a bad place, though. You know, like they couldn't get Kenny Galladay the football for much of the game. Um, maybe they found something in Bo Scarborough. I, I feel like I say that every week. Maybe they found something in Ty Johnson. Maybe they found something in J.D. McKissick. They probably didn't, <laughs> you know, and play with a backup quarterback and not a ton of talent on defense. But I thought they hung around pretty well against what's clearly a superior team. Yeah, it's tough when you're throwing out Jeff Driscoll's your starting quarterback and and. Yeah, Bo Scarborough and just the name value there in Detroit, they're in a rough situation. Yeah. But when it comes to Dallas, maybe, and I would have thought actually Dallas could have beat them by by more than one touchdown, you know, with that group mm-hmm. that Detroit was running out there. But 
maybe the best week for Dallas here, not only with Philadelphia losing and giving them some breathing room in the NFC East, but for Dak Prescott to prove like, okay, look, in a game where Amari Cooper had three catches, Michael Gallup had nine catches for 148 yards. And so yeah, right. you can you can start to hang your hat on that a little bit and be like, look, okay, take away Zeke. Well, we've got this that we can do to you. Take away Amari Cooper. Well, we've got this that we can do to you. And that all revolves around Dak Prescott. And I think that is a very, very good sign for the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, those Cowboys fans have to be happy after this week. Yeah, and even the Wittens and Pollards and Cobb, they're they're good enough. You know, like if they're going to be constantly singled, you can go to them on third and eight and move the chains or, you know, get a play here and there out of them. Um, so they're a very well-rounded team. Dallas is quite good, and Prescott is, is really, really playing well. Do you worry at all defensively about Dallas? I think it's worth talking about this team a little, a little bit more right now. I mean, Sam Darnold and the Jets went in through four touchdown passes against them defensively, and some weeks they come up really big, and on paper they have a really, really good defense, which I, th- I feel like is underachieving a little bit. Yeah, that's well said because you look at what they have, looking at their defense with you know over the offseason, I thought it would be a top eight type unit, and then they've added like Michael Bennett, and um, they seem well coached. You know, Marinelli and those guys, and Chris Richard. I, I don't know why it's not better. I mean, it's fine, but I thought it would be one of the better defenses in the league. You know, Lawrence is still playing well. And what I've noticed, the linebackers aren't quite as dominant. The secondary is not quite as dominant as it's been. But they're, they still have good players. So that's a hard one for me to pin down. I might need to do a little more homework on that one. It's a good little project. Right. And it's not that it's bad, but you you're, you look at it and you think, okay, 27 points to what the Lions are throwing out there. I would like to see that defense dominate a little bit more. But a very good football team right now. And uh, at this point, Dallas can maybe put things in cruise control for – the last third of this season and, uh, and start figuring out, you know, the sort of the, you know, the, the details of that football team and get things ready and tuned up for the playoffs. Yeah. And I, I don't think this is exactly what you meant, but there's their record kind of reminds me of their defense. You know, they're six and four. Yeah. They should be eight and two. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's a really good team that, is barely over 500, you know, like, and this game kind of encapsulates that too. You know, like that's a bad lions team. And it was kind of close. Like this is a really good team, but shouldn't it be better? Interesting. Yeah. And and we'll keep an eye on them. And I'm interested to see actually, now that we talk about it, where they're going to end up on your uh, power rankings right now. I got, I got a feeling there's going to be one or two AFC teams and then a whole bunch of NFC teams on those rankings. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Kansas City does. They might be one that jumps up, but Dallas, Minnesota, Philly. I mean, I don't know where to put those guys against one another. Yes, and we will talk more about Kansas City and the Monday Night Football game on Tuesday's program. Quick let's break. do Colts-Jags real quick, if you don't you mind. You want to do Colts-Jags? Okay, let's do it. And yeah. The only reason I bring that one up is I was sitting here looking at you know ESPN, and it's right below Cowboys-Lions, and I'm thinking – Brissett could be very Dak-like. You know, like, he seems like he's... I know his career path's different, but I feel like he's a year behind Dak and that the Colts next year with Hilton, a first-round wide receiver, 
a good running game, an offensive line, maybe they're the kind of offense that Dallas has now. You know what I mean? Like next year's version of Dallas's offense led by Brissett, good passer coming along, getting valuable experience behind a good line. Um, not a Zeke-like back, but a good running game. And Mac got hurt in this one. I, I didn't think they would smear the Jags. They crushed them. And the Jags jumped out to a lead, and it was the second half where the Colts really turned it on. They were like, yeah, we're we're just going to take this game over now. Sorry. And uh, Nick Foles had a nice little start here in his first action back. Two touchdown passes. He did have the pick, 296 Yards passing, uh, Leonard Fournette could not get things going on the ground against the Colts. Jacoby no. Percet, the comparison to Dak is interesting. And w- with Jacoby Percet, I've always wondered like how good he could be because you know he's behind Tom Brady, and then he's behind Luck, and he's sort of like eh, he's like okay, well I guess we have to use Jacoby Percet now. I mean we like him, we brought him in for a reason, but now we're forced to put him in there. We didn't really want to, and just because he's not Andrew Luck, I think I've maybe unfairly deemed him, but. Uh, the more I watch Jacoby Brissett, the more I like Jacoby Brissett. See, I've always liked him. I've liked him more and more. I wrote articles almost like 365 days ago. The Giants should trade for Jacoby Brissett. You know, teams that were in need a year ago, they stuck behind luck. He's the best backup in the league. And right now, I think Dak is probably like a top six type quarterback. And maybe Brissett doesn't have quite that ceiling. But I'm not saying he doesn't. I mean, he is loved by his teammates, tough as could be, smart, big, physical, athletic enough for today's NFL, but much more passer than runner. I And in that system, you know, it, I would say it takes a village to, to raise a quarterback. Well, I look at like Dwayne Haskins and think, boy, that village is bad that he's in. Where this village is wonderful. <laughs> right. well, that's a great point, yeah. Plenty more to get to here, including a team that narrowly held on to the one seed in the NFC. Away creates thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on during checkout. That's awaytravel.com slash locked on. You spoke about the terrible situation that Dwayne Haskins is in and the Redskins have fallen now to one and nine losing 34, 17 to the New York jets who have their third win of the season now. Yeah. I mean, let's give the jets credit. I thought Darnold played very well. You know, Crowder, I thought was quite good. I thought Haskins and Geis and McLaurin showed some signs of life. I mean, in what was basically the worst, you know, bout on the card. There were some promising things for the future for these teams, I thought. And I think maybe those folks that uh, had some injury problems at quarterback or maybe Aaron Rodgers or somebody who was on a bye had to maybe throw Sam Darnold in there. We're pretty happy with those four touchdown passes and 293 yards. So um, I'm still a believer in Sam Darnold. And obviously Washington isn't the best opponent, but this is a pretty good win for a young quarterback and a team to go on the road and convincingly beat the heck out of another team. Right, right. I mean, that's what we were hoping. I often said, boy, the Jets will get better as the season goes on. Their their schedule's really easy. Darnold will start to figure it out. And I think that's probably happening. But again, playing some of these bad teams are hard barometers. Speaking of players that might have helped people's fantasy 
situations that if you uh, if you were forced to throw someone like Ryan Griffin in at tight end, 190 yeah, yards, five catches, and a touchdown, you're feeling pretty good about life right now. Yeah, right. I mean, poor Herndon owners have had him forever. And yep. I don't, who knows what he's going to get from him, but that was promising. The New Orleans Saints beat up on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 34-17. Saints now 8-2. and two. They are currently tied for the two seed in the NFC, and the Bucs falling to 3-7. and seven. Yeah, I think it's safe to say, as we expected, the Saints' loss to the Falcons was just a blip on the radar, and most teams have one of those in the year that just kind of make you scratch your head, and once in a while you sort of throw that game out. Um, from what I saw, it kind of looked like the bad Jameis today, you know, trying to keep up and playing from behind and forcing footballs and people like myself that have Mike Evans on their fantasy team and uh, and Godwin it took him a really long time to get those guys get rolling and they don't run the ball well so uh, i guess in the i thought this game would be close in the end these teams are who we thought they were super efficient game for Drew Brees three touchdown passes uh, 35 attempts only 228 yards so a lot of shorter stuff there Alvin Kamara Getting back and involved in that offense, he led with 10 receptions for those Saints. Michael Thomas, 114 yards on his eight receptions and a touchdown. And, uh, yeah, really nice to see Alvin Kamara back and, and that just that skill he has to be able to, to be a, a dual-threat player run and pass, I think, is just such a, such a weapon for that Saints offense to go with who Drew Brees is now. And it's a scary team. And with both the Seahawks and Packers out, all those teams right now, 8-2. and two. Yeah, and Kamara, I feel like he's been overshadowed a little because McCaffrey's going insane and Cook. I have no doubt that he's still on that level as a truly elite player at that position. And today, just watching him move, it's like, wow, he's really good. The team that beat the Saints last week on a little bit of a roll here, the Atlanta Falcons going on the road and just putting a whooping on the Panthers 29-3. to yeah, I'm not exactly sure how this went down. Um, as usual, McCaffrey put up big numbers. Um, I thought Allen did not have his finest showing from what I saw. Atlanta's real, though. I mean, they they got up early. Uh, Ryan, I thought, played pretty darn well from what I saw. The Falcons' defense isn't a total sieve anymore. And I think we said this like a month or so ago, certainly before they beat the Saints, that of the teams with awful records, if any of them are going to kind of turn it around and aren't what their record says it is, it's Atlanta. Christian McCaffrey going over 1,000 yards rushing in this game. And let's see, did he go over? He's getting close to 500 yards receiving as well. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. No Austin Hooper in that game, too. You know, like right. they're. And, you know, so they, they, you know, they're backup running backs as well. So give, give the Falcons credit. Maybe he saves his job. I was all over Calvin Ridley in fantasy drafts this year. So it was nice to see him put up some yeah, big nice. numbers, 143 yards in a score. So, I like him a lot. Yeah, I do too. I, I, I was very disappointed in things in Atlanta for that reason, because I was targeting him just about in every draft I could, because I thought he was a good price. And it turned out I was wrong. And uh, there was going to be some hiccups there with that Atlanta offense. But, uh, Big day from Calvin Ridley on this Sunday, at least. Also, DJ Moore in that game. They're two receivers from the same class. I could see yes. both those guys yes. having very fine, long, you know, consistent success careers. I like both those guys a lot. 
Uh, same here. Yeah, same here. I, I really love both of those players. And, you know, growing pains, young receivers, sometimes it takes a two, three years for the consistency to hit. But we've seen flashes from both those guys. Superb talents. Uh, let's go to that team that is still the number one seed in the NFC. A back and forth game. They the, the score doesn't tell how close that game was and how close the 49ers came to losing a late fumble return for a touchdown. 36-26, the 49ers beating the Cardinals. Yeah, maybe you should take this one. I mean, no Kittle, but they still threw way more than they ran. Um, it worked pretty well. Obviously, anyone that saw that crazy play, it was one of those Stanford lateral plays, and the Niners yes. end up just taking it into the into the end zone to make this look like a much um, like they won more handily. But I felt it was a very even game. And my biggest takeaway is Arizona's hard to play against, and Kyler's getting really good. And somehow the Vegas bookmakers got it right, and they had that 10-point line that both of us were like, you know what? The Cardinals have been keeping things close with people. Sanders is hurt. Kittle's out. And so it's going to be a closer game than maybe people think. And it was. And the 49ers were behind in that game until the final two plays when they uh, scored. And then, well, I guess there was one quick series where the Cardinals blew all their time out. So within five plays at the end of that game, the 49ers were behind, came back, had the winning score. And then the fumble ruski play that ended up being another touchdown for the 49ers late. But Kyler Murray is athletic. He's got a cannon of an arm. He's such a weird player to watch because he's so small. He's even smaller than Russell Wilson. And you just don't see players shaped like him. But he has ability. And he is a problem. He was a problem for the 49ers. And as he develops, he's going to be a problem for the league. He can throw. He can create plays. And he's got an odd demeanor. And sometimes because he's really quiet, and you're like, what's going on upstairs with this guy? It's hard to tell, but he's cool when it's on the field, and he's kind of the same guy all the time, which I think bodes well for his NFL career. On the other side, Jimmy Garoppolo was an interesting one here, and this is key, because this is what the teams are going to do to the 49ers. They want to stop the run first, yeah, make yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo prove that he can beat them through the air, especially with how banged up his top receivers are right now. And he responded. He did have a couple of interceptions, which you hate to see. One was really ugly. He just didn't see a linebacker and threw it right to him when they were in the red zone. But right. I otherwise, yeah, otherwise they they leaned on him because they could not run the ball. They averaged 1.8 yards per carry on the ground. They pretty much abandoned it. 45 attempts for Jimmy Garoppolo, 424 yards passing and four touchdowns. And even though Kittle was out, they still heavily targeted the backup, Ross Dwelly, and threw a couple touchdown passes his, his way, would have had a third that was called back for a holding penalty. Yeah, and I didn't realize the number was 10. You talk about the most backdoor of covers of all time. Wow. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, that rocked the, the sports books, obviously, that crazy fumble play. Um, kind of like we talked about Brissett and, and Dak, that these guys, and maybe even cars in that group, guys that aren't young anymore but certainly aren't old, and Jimmy's more like Brissett because they both were stuck behind Brady that they don't have as many starts as their age might indicate. But I think the arrow's pointing up, and that's what you know, you're going to want from Darnold or Baker or Allen or somebody like that when they're in their second and their third year. And so, you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're juveniles now. They're, they're no longer juveniles. They're adolescents now. You know, like, they're almost full-grown quarterbacks, and they're progressing nicely, and they've been brought up well. And we talked about how long it takes a young receiver to develop. And right now, Debo Samuel is having to become that number one option with Kittle and Sanders ailing. And in the last two weeks, he has been a target hog. Ten targets, two weeks in a row now for Debo. He caught eight catches each week, 134 
yards on those eight receptions here, and he's making plays after the catch. So Debo Samuel, he's not a finished product yet, but the 49ers have had to lean on him the last couple of weeks, and he's been up to it and uh, really like the development there from Debo. And that could really pay off well if and when they are totally healthy. Yes. I'm guessing Kittle returns next week. I mean, it looks like he's going to jump out of the press box. So uh, <laughs> he'll be back next all week. These yeah. Guys are clicking, or, you know, that that could really be a force. Absolutely. It's going to be a good one. 49ers Packers. And I think smart by the 49ers had an eye on that week saying, look, let's make sure Kittle's right. Come out blazing with all of our weapons against the Packers. That should be a fun one next Sunday for us to break down. And we'll be back tomorrow. That's all of the Sunday afternoon games. We'll hit those primetime games, Sunday night football and Monday night football on Tuesday's show. And we've got the I got one little thing I want to throw out real quick just because it's on my mind. Because it happened. I was asked last week about targeting and maybe you should add 15 yards to where this play was was, um, committed as opposed to the line of scrimmage. So... It didn't really matter because the Patriots are going to win this game anyway. And I'm not accusing Belichick of being, you know, dastardly or anything. But I thought about it during this play because it was very late in the game. The Eagles throw one over the middle. Their receiver gets blasted. Total headshot. Flags come out. I think it was like 20 or 25 yards downfield. And that player will get a fine. But it's 15 yards from the line of scrimmage. Right. So it ends up being a positive play for the defense. So there's circumstances when it might be the right play to go headshot somebody is what I'm saying. Right. Assuming the guy can't catch the ball because you hit him so hard and so violently. If yeah. he catches it, you really get you know screwed. You had 15 to that, but there's a little bit of a loophole there that if I headshot you 50 yards downfield, you only pick up 15. Right. That's very interesting. You could do that to a team that's trying to get in field goal range on a pass that could have gotten them there, but instead it's first down, but they're at midfield instead of, you know, at the 35 yard line. So, and you're 12 seconds off the clock and they don't have a timeout. And now it's Hail Mary time. So it would be a spot penalty where it would be like you get the ball or 15 yards from the point where the penalty happens. Right. Like, I mean, if if it's 50 yards downfield and you pass interfere with me, you get the ball there. Yes. But if you headshot me there, it's 15 past the line of scrimmage. That's interesting. And it's essentially pass interference at that point, right? Because you're interfering with his ability to to catch the ball, but more more violently than even a PI would be. No, that's yeah, that's actually a great point. And if I, I don't know how you could teach that or if the player himself is that smart or if that's something that Belichick would be like, hey, look, it doesn't matter at this point. Does he tell his players that? Is that, I mean, because that just right. seems like something that you'd have. Just make sure he doesn't catch it. Yeah. No, you know, just so, like, whatever you do. Right. Right. Because there's times when it's smart to, I mean, if I'm beat deep, I'm going to grab this dude and drag him down. Well, if I'm beat over the middle, why not take his head off? Yeah. It's bad. I mean, it could be bad. That's something, and look, officiating is not great around the league. There's a lot of things I think need to change no. this offseason. So uh, maybe Your that's another one. Oh, well, it was too. really bad. And just that phantom. Hopkins call was really awful. Hopkins, yeah. There was just phantom calls in that Niners game. There's 20 penalties, and maybe half of them they should have thrown the flag on. It's like, man, eat the flag. What are we doing out here? So they got to yeah, take a look at a lot of this watch. stuff in the offseason for sure. Good stuff, though. Yep, absolutely. Good stuff. We'll be back tomorrow right here. Locked on NFL.